We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, El Monte. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, El Monte. So how do you know you know the Lord? How do you know that you're a Christian? You know, I went forward, Manny, at the uh, crusade. I said the prayer, the, the sinner's prayer. You know, I, I go to church uh, even midweek. I read my Bible every day. I pray all the time. I serve in ministry. I am deeply involved. Well, you know, if that was your answer, I'm, I'm sorry. None of those things are the right answer. How do you know that you know the Lord? How do you know that you're really a Christian? You know, well, you might have an inner witness, but how do you know that's not just you? Like the Holy Spirit's telling me. Well, how do you know it's not just you telling you? Because we need the inner witness, but we also need more than that. We need the outer witness. And, And Jesus gives us the answer in Matthew 7 right here. In verse 16, he says, you will know them by their fruits. That's how you'll know whether or not you are a Christian. A lot of times we like to do fruit examinations on other people, and that's fine, but you've got to check out your own life. You will know them by their fruits, Jesus said. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes? I mean, imagine, you know, you you go to a thorn bush and you try to gather grapes. Is that going to happen? You're, you're just going to get like, you know, thorns in your, in your finger. They don't do that, right? Or figs from thistles? Of course not. Even so, Jesus said, every good tree bears good fruit. Every single good tree, every single one bears good fruit. But a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit, right? I mean, it's, it's pretty simple. Are you a thorn or are you a... You know, uh, 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 you know, bananas. I mean, you name it, right? I mean, every tree that doesn't bear good fruit, Jesus said, is cut down and thrown into the fire. And therefore, Jesus said, by their fruits, you will know them. You know, you guys, um, it's so important that we understand what this teaches, what the Bible teaches. How do you know you know the Lord? You know, for me, I'm a pastor. You know, well, you're a pastor. You know the Lord. There's no free passes for pastors. You know, and there's a lot of pastors that don't know the Lord. There's a lot of people involved in ministry who don't know the Lord. There's a lot of people who go to church every single week, multiple times a week. They don't really know the Lord. How do you know you know the Lord? Well, it's the answer is fruit. You know, and and, and let's look at this. Uh, one of the amazing scriptures over in John chapter 7 if you would let's turn there because fruit is a is a pretty interesting thing I mean fruit and not something you make in wood shop or metal shop I mean fruit is 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 natural it's for us now it's supernatural right and and Jesus said something real insightful in John chapter 7 and verse 38 it says Jesus said, he who believes in me, and that's kind of like a Christian, right? He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living 
water. So if you believe in Christ, if you're a Christian, then out of your heart will flow rivers, torrents of living water. You're like, well, what's that, Manny? What, what does that mean? What's Jesus referring to there? You know, and it's, some, some might say, well, it's the Holy Spirit. But it's not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit doesn't flow out of you. I mean, the Holy Spirit lives in you when you become a Christian. And if you get baptized in the Holy Spirit, He falls on you. It's a blessing, right? We need that power, right? But to flow out of you, you want to know what He's talking about here? He's talking about bearing the fruit of the Spirit. That when we believe in Christ, if we're a real tree, we're going to bear fruit. It'll, it'll, here's the thing that's so important. It will flow out of you. It will flow. You won't have to necessarily fight for it. You won't be frustrated in trying to love someone. No, when it's real, when it's the fruit of the Spirit, let me tell you, it will flow out of you. That's how you know whether or not you're a Christian. There's a lot of people who think they're Christians and they're not because the fruit is not flowing. It's not flowing. And it's important for us to understand what, what we need you know, to be. I mean, I, I know that the Christians, sometimes they, they, they struggle you know, bearing fruit. And for some, you know, it's like, kind of like your fruit... And you only, you know, you're, you're, maybe they displanted you, right? And you guys know how it is when you plant a tree. Maybe the first year, it's not, not much. You got a couple of buds and you see a lot of leaves and then it grows a little more. And you're, like Jesus said, you're doing fertilizer and you're planting and you're just investing into it. And maybe the next year, there's like a couple of things showing up and you're like, hey, there's, there's hope. And then, you know, like by the third year, it's starting to like really produce. So that's kind of how it is a lot of times for some as Christians. I mean, some of the things the Lord takes away, you know, right away. You see that evidence. It's miraculous. But let me tell you something. There's a lot of non-Christians who've stopped doing drugs and alcohol and sex before marriage. They're not Christians. So don't think you're a Christian just because you're not doing that now. Are you really a Christian? You got to ask yourself, is the fruit flowing? That's what you got to ask. You know, I, I think that for us, it's got to flow. That, that word, it means to move along or out steadily and continuously in a current or a stream. It shouldn't be mechanical. It shouldn't be, you know, something that's frustrating to function in. It's got to be supernatural. The Amplified Version of the Bible says, the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which His presence from within accomplishes. And then he goes over in Galatians 5. Let's turn there, you guys. And what we're going to do right now, I don't know if you guys ever like this, is um, you ever look in the mirror? You guys ever look in the mirror? Some of you are like, you, know, you don't, huh? I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror like, okay, is my hair parted correctly? And yeah. <laughs> You know, or whatever. Yeah, you got to look in the mirror a little bit, right? And anyways, that's what we're going to do right now. We're going to look in the mirror. In Galatians 5, in, in verse 23. Well, we'll start there. It says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. 
And those who are Christ, if you belong to Christ, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And so if we live in the Spirit, he says, let us also walk in the Spirit. And so the, the first uh, fruit that he mentions here, there's a list of nine things. Uh, most theologians would call this the fruit of fruits. It's the one with the capital F. It's the... Uh, in one sense, they, they say all the other eight, they're actually subcategories. Uh, they fall under the banner of the first one, which is love. That's the one Jesus said, by this all will know you're my disciples, if you love one another. This is a huge one, right? To love, uh, it means to unconditionally, sacrificially seek someone else's highest good, expecting nothing in return. It doesn't matter. Unconditional. It doesn't matter what they've done, who they are. You love them. That's agape love. We're not talking about erotic love. We're not talking about friendship or phileo love. We're not talking about storge or family love. We're talking about God's love because you're God's child. So if you really know the Lord, you will love people. That's the fruit of fruits. Right? To unconditionally, sacrificially seek someone else's good, expecting nothing in return. That's true love. Love is the fruit of fruits. Like I said earlier, some say that this is actually the others, the other eight are just subcategories of it. If you read First Corinthians 13, you'll kind of see, because that's all descriptive of what love is. It's so huge. You know, John the Beloved said, if you don't love, you don't know God. 1 John 4, 8. And that's not just your friends, by the way. We're called to love our enemies. Jesus said in Luke 6, 32, but if you love those who love you, big deal. What credit is it to you? For even sinners or non-believers in one sense love those who love them. You know, some people are like, well, I love people who, who love me. I mean, they have good taste. It, it makes sense. You know, I, I love them because they're so nice to me. And we just, you know, we just hit it off and we click. And I, and I, you know, it's just something about them, man. It's attractive. They have this magnetism to them. And, you know, you love them. But Jesus said, if that's the way you are, big stinking deal. That doesn't mean anything in the kingdom of God. Nothing. Nothing. You have to love, Jesus said, your enemies, Luke 6.35, he said, love your enemies, do good, lend hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind, even to the unthankful and evil. Evil, circle that word, he's kind to them. He's kind to them. If you're really a Christian, it'll flow. It'll flow if you're really a Christian. If you're not, it won't. It won't, right? One, one person said, the love that, that Christ commands is not always easy. Even for people who are blessed with great natural warmth of heart. And it is not possible even for those of us who tend to be crabby. And, and I'm sorry, it is not impossible, <laughs> For those of us who tend to be crabby and short-tempered. So anybody here crabby? Short-tempered? You're like, I am crabby when I don't eat. Okay, even when you don't eat, you still love. Okay, it's possible. Right? For Christian love is not a vague feeling of affection for someone. It is rather a condition of the heart and will that causes us to seek the welfare of others, including people we don't particularly like, 
and even people who have done us wrong. You know, one of the things that I think I've experienced in my life, and I don't know if there's anything going on in your life, is that there's always going to be somebody in your life for whatever reason. I think it's just the Lord because He has a sense of humor, you know. There's always going to be somebody in your life that God says, boom. Even though I know, I know you don't want to, I want you to love this person. I'm testing you. I'm testing you. There's always going to be like somebody in your life. And that right there, you may see it as you know some crazy situation, but you want to know what it is? It's a litmus test of whether or not you really know the Lord. Whether or not you're really going to be like Jesus. I mean, were you all that? When he loved you? When he died for you? Yeah, I was. Liar. <laughs> you weren't. We weren't. We were all messed up. And his love is what saved us. Right? And so, you know, as we get into the fruit of the Spirit, first thing I want to ask you, are you a loving person? Would anyone, would anyone describe you as a loving person? Because if you, if you say no to that, you're in big trouble. You, man, you right off the boat, you sank. But then we continue on right here. And the second thing on the list is joy. Joy is peace dancing. I like that. I like that. Because to be honest with you, I, I struggle with dancing. I don't, I don't know what it is. It's not that I don't have rhythm. Well, actually it is. I don't have rhythm. <laughs> you know, and I just, I don't know. I just, uh, I just have struggled with dancing. I can slow dance with my wife maybe, but I, I wish I could dance like Jesse and Maria. Have you guys ever seen them dance? Man, they're so good. You know, um, but there's something about that, that joy that it, it actually is a fruit of the Spirit uh, F.B. Meyer said that joy is peace dancing and you cannot be too happy, brother, said C.H. Spurgeon. Nay, do not suspect yourself of being wrong because you're full of delight. You know that it is said of the divine wisdom, her ways are the ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace, provided that it is the joy of the Lord. C.H. Spurgeon said you cannot have too much of it. And so ask your, yourself that, that question, are you joyful, you know, or are you stoic, you know, ascetic, holier-than-thou Pharisee? Don't talk about the Dodgers. We're in church. I like the Yankees. No, I'm just joking. You know, hey, come on, man. I mean, God loves it when you smile. Do you know that? I know that. I just know he does. Not for the wrong reason, of course, but man, he loves it when we have this joy. The Amplified Version calls it gladness. I mean, can you smile? Do you smile? Is it okay to have fun in the Lord? I mean, do you have a godly gladness that's evident on the outside? Not because of your perfect circumstances, but because of your perfect Savior. <laughs> you know, do you have that? You know, who you believe in 100%, man, he's on the throne. Even though all this is going on in my life, he is on the throne. No one can take away my joy because he is on the throne, right? It's just so beautiful when you have that joy of the Spirit, right? I mean, it's visible on the outside, but it's rooted on the inside with an inner sense of peace, knowing that God is provident. 
That's why joy is peace, dancing, right? And so you have to ask yourself that question. Are you loving? Are you joyful? Would anyone describe you as a loving person? Would anyone describe you as a joyful person? How, how about the third thing mentioned here, and that is peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace. You see, when it's the fruit of the Spirit flowing freely, the devil, even the devil, can't disturb you. You know, you're not like Chicken Little, the sky is falling. The sky, you know, and they're worried about everything. Come on, what do you got? What are you worried about? What in the world are you worried about? You worried not going to have any food? What, you worried you're not going to have any clothes? You worried you're going to lose your house? Well, how about if God was okay with you losing your house? Are you cool with that? No. Why not? I mean, you got a, you got a mansion in heaven, right? I mean, there is nothing that could take away my peace. Why? When we got our eyes on the Lord, Isaiah 26.3, you will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. That's when the Holy Spirit starts working in our life and we get love and we get joy and we get peace. The devil can't disturb you. There's not a person on planet Earth except him. No, I'm just joking. There's not a person on planet Earth who can take your peace, your Christian calmness carries on no matter what the calamity. Your serenity is sweet and your tranquility is true. One person said, God's peace is the tranquility of a soul who finds rest in him. And peace and joy, they're very similar in that neither is dependent on a single circumstance. We should always have love. We should always have joy. We should always have peace. Do people see you that way? It's interesting, looking at the fruit right here, you guys, uh, the first three are kind of like the inner things, just the inner self, the love, the joy, the peace. But then he starts getting into dealing with other people, the outer dealings. Look what he says. Uh, the, the next one, I almost want to skip over it, <laughs> but we can't, right? He uses that word long-suffering. Long-suffering, right? I mean, wouldn't you guys agree with me? Apart from the Spirit, we would all be described as short-suffering, right? That's kind of the way we are, impatient. But long-suffering, in some translations, Jesus used the word patient. It describes the disciple who is patient, even in the midst of terrible frustrations. It's a forbearance under provocation. It entertains no thoughts of retaliation, even when you're spitefully treated. One person said, long-suffering is a particular kind of gentle persevering. It's a self-control that especially comes into play in our dealings with people who deliberately try to provoke us. I mean, there's some of us here, our fuses are so short, you can't even handle a single criticism. You can't handle any annoyances. That's the antithesis to long-suffering, right? I mean, if we're walking in the Spirit, we will have the ability to be strong even when we're wronged in life. And so, um, it's halftime, kind of, okay? And I want you guys, myself included, I want you to look at this list, and I want you to be honest with the Lord 
And I want to ask you, how are you doing? Are you a loving person? Are you a joyful person? Are you a person that possesses peace? Are you long-suffering? The next thing on our list right here is this word kindness. Kindness. The King James Version translates it gentleness, but this is the individual who offers help and support in time of need. It's, uh, it's kind of like benevolence in action. One guy said kindness is love in, in work clothes. You know, and so you, you put on your work clothes and you kind of show your love to someone who has some type of need. I mean, kindness is expressed as someone who's kind of friendly and, and generous and considerate. They're just a kind person. I think we kind of get the connotation of what that is. Are you that kind? Or would, would they describe you as a kind person? Because that's what the Bible says a Christian is. He next, he next uses the word goodness. These are the fruit of the Spirit, the love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. And this word right here, it speaks of a, a moral excellence. You know, the Bible says the steps of a good man. You know, like, you know, so like, you know, I don't know. I, and I know we can't like, you know, necessarily describe ourselves that way. But someone else might describe you. Man, he's a good man. You know, oh yeah, she's, she's a good woman. Man, she's good. You know, that's what the Lord is calling us to it should be flowing out of us the a moral excellence psalm thirty-seven, twenty-three. the steps of a good man are ordered by the lord and he delights in this good man's way but proverbs fourteen, fourteen says the backslider and backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways but a good man there's that word good will be satisfied from above you know, of course, we know our goodness is not inherent. It's not within us apart from God because the Bible says none of us are good. No, not one. But as we become Christians and, and as the Spirit just has free reign over us, then our goodness begins to flow like this wonderful fruit. As one man said, the heart of a good man is a sanctuary of God. And, and one of the things I thought was kind of cool, because as I'm reading all these books and you know, just trying to pick out some of the things that really stood out to me, one person said, when you're good, you look for the good in other people. That's what good people do. They look for the good in other people. You know, I think that's actually a really pretty cool thing. Man, goodness, it, it should permeate the entirety of our being. Remember, goodness consists not just in the outward things we do, but really in the in the inward part that we are. And I don't know if you guys have heard this before, but when I read this, I was like, oh, man, that's cool, you know. Uh, to get good, you know, to get good is animal. To do good, to do good is kind of like human. But to be good, to be good is divine. You know, the Bible says that Barnabas was a good man in Acts eleven twenty four, And so, man, I pray one day God would be able to say that about me. I, I pray that about you as well. How about this word faithfulness? That comes next. You know, the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the kindness, the goodness, the, the faithfulness. And that speaks of someone who's trustworthy and reliable because of their faith 
in God. They have a steadfast devotion to the truth. How about the next one? Gentleness. Gentleness. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Uh, some translations use the word meek or meekness. And so you're not a wild child, you know? You're mild, you know? And that's the fruit of the Spirit. Right? Uh, one person said it's a particularly kind of gentle meekness that enables us to respond patiently to the faults of others as well as their offenses against us. What this term is describing is a tender, considerate, patient, humble spirit of compassion when dealing with others' offenses and failures. And so, you know what? Like, I do good, man, when things are cool. You know, I, I do, right? And you probably do too. But what happens when someone comes and pushes that button? All of a sudden, what? Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde, bipolar. No, I'm just joking. You know, we got to be so careful. I would encourage you to do this, to walk in the Spirit so that there's no buttons that anybody can push. I've been a Christian now for a long time, and I'll, I'll be the first to say, you know what, I don't got all these things down. But as I'm reading this, and as God has been just challenging me, I, I'm so grateful that I'm saved. I know I'm saved in the blood of Jesus. But I am aggressive in my pursuit of bearing fruit for the glory of God. And I'm realizing it's not just about what I do. It, it is about who I am. And I just really, man, I want to make sure I'm a Christian. You know, I mean, to be honest with you, I'm just going to be transparent for a second here. Um, I've known the Lord all my Oh, you know, this is what, 1980, 1992? No, 1989, that's right, okay. So it happens when you're up here, you just forget things. What's your name again? No, I'm just joking. <laughs> and so anyways, um, never doubted my salvation. Never doubted my salvation. Never, 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 never. Until I started like hardcore, like, like looking at this list right here. Especially, you guys, when we get into the works of the flesh. And then I'm, I'm not like saying that, ooh, man, you know, all of a sudden I, I just fell off the deep end and I went over the cliff. But I tell you what, I just did a double check. I just did a double take. I'm like, am I deceiving myself? I mean, you got to take a look at this list. It don't matter what position you have. It doesn't matter how long or how much of the Bible you know, how many times you read it. It doesn't matter. What matters is, are you bearing fruit? Because the last thing in the world we would ever want is for you to die and stand before God and find out that you really didn't know Him. Because He put someone in your path right there and they just always make you furious you hate them you hate them you struggle with them you're frustrated with them and God is just saying I'm, 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 I'm telling you you need to get saved you need to get saved because I wouldn't do that I'm not like that I love the unjust I love the evil well but I do know the Lord okay okay you do know the Lord Okay, okay, prove it. Love that person. Prove it. Love them. You're like, Manny, I want to leave now. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love you. <laughs> See, I'm bearing fruit. <laughs> 
Love is not just a pampering love. Of course we know it's a protective love. Love seeks their highest good. Remember, it's a spiritual good. But remember, love is kind. Love is gentle. Love is meek. You know, in looking at this right here, you know, I, I wanted to end right here. He, he has a couple of things. Um, you know, the faithfulness, the, the gentleness. These words also translated humility. And then the last one, which is probably the, another one that we want to skip, self-control. How many of you here lose, ever lose control? You ever lose control? You're like, man, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. The other day I was watching the news and I saw this crazy truck. I don't know if you guys saw this scene, man. And I don't know what, they said he was, I think they were text messaging on their phone on the freeway. And all of a sudden you see the truck hit the other car and he's, you know, thank God nobody died. But I'm like, man, he was out of control, huh? And we do that sometimes. We just lose control. But when you're, when you're bearing the fruit of the Spirit, that doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. Well, oh, Manny, I only do it once a week. I only lose self-control once a week. Okay, well, let me ask you a question, and we'll compare that to a drug addict. If a drug addict only did it once a week, what do you think about them? Are they saved? Well, well, well drugs are worse. Really? I don't read that in my Bible. They're, they're on the same list right here. Sorcery, outbursts of wrath. Same list. If you're cool with a drug addict getting high once a week, then you'll be cool with you losing self-control once a week. Same thing. You got to dig deeper. You got to know what the Bible says. The fruit of the Spirit is self-control. Right? And that's what happens when it flows. Look what he says real quick, because I don't want to go over, you know, tonight... We should be done by about 10, right around there. But Man, I have so many notes, and I knew this was going to happen. And Angel even said, oh, we're only going to do, you know, f we're going to do one less song. I said, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to go over. It's crazy. Look at, the, look, at, look at what he says right here. In Galatians 5, in verse 16, I, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the... Flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. And these are, they're just contrary to one another. So that you do not do the things that you wish. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So if you are a Christian, what he's saying is, yeah, I want you to walk in the spirit. You know, one of the things I've learned in life as a Christian is this. Have you guys learned this yet? Every day. Every day, Right? Jesus said, take up your cross, how frequently? Every day. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I die daily. Every day you got to die, right? And not only that, as we're walking, this is what I've learned, every single step. Every single step. You always have to have your guard up. You always have to be walking in the Spirit. Every step, every day. Oh, I want to walk in the power of the resurrection. I want the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. I want that power. Well, before you get the power of the resurrection, you have to die to yourself. And, and I don't want to sound weird or anything, but God's trying to kill you. 
God is trying to murder your flesh. God is trying to bring you to a point of absolute surrender, like Jesus, the Lord Jesus. Do you think he lived anything of his own volition? Nothing. He didn't think a thought. He didn't say a word. He didn't do nothing apart from his Father's will. You see, he died, and he rose, and you're still alive. And God is trying to kill you. God is saying, murder your flesh. Put your flesh to death die so that you can live. And that's how we walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. But if you don't walk in the Spirit, they're going to beat you up every time. They're going to beat you up. Right here he mentions the fact that, that, that as we walk in the Spirit and there's this battle going on, we're not going to win the battle. I can't win it. You might be a super duper duper person. You won't win it either. You won't. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Right here he says in verse uh, 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're, you're not under the law. See, it's totally cool. When you're, when you're led by the Spirit, what ends up happening is that, is that you, know, you have power because the law, the law, it doesn't have power. The law is a written code. The law is a legal relationship with God. The law is a person who, who, they know the Bible. They know the Bible objectively. But they're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you can have a rules and regulations type of Christianity. But there'll be no power there. You can have a relationship Christianity. And there'll be power. You can have a law or legal type of Christianity and there'll be no power. But when you have a love Christianity then there's power. See? Because otherwise you want to know what's going to happen? What's going to happen? You, my friend, are going to get you're going to get beat up. You're going to get pummeled. You're going to get knocked out. You're going to get thrashed. Look what he says. This is a list. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are, are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, and lewdness. All those have to do with sexual sins. So any type of sexual sin, it could be pornography, it could be any type of sexual sin. That's the work of your flesh. And you want to know something? It just flows. Right? That's the work of the flesh idolatry, that's anyone or anything that we put before God, sorcery, which is, you know what, I, I would say not only like, you know, illegal drugs, but I would also say, because a lot of people are, are under the bondage of prescription drugs, you know, it's the altered consciousness, I mean, you know what I'm talking about, the Lord knows the distinctions and all those types of lines and stuff, He knows, He knows when it's this type of sin, the, the hatred, you hate anybody? Contentions. Oh, we're always buttonheads. heads. Jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. Selfish ambitions. Dissension. Heresies. Envy, which is when you don't want them to do good. Murders. Drunkenness. Revelries. That's the parties. 
and the like of which I tell you beforehand, uh, I'm telling you ahead of time. I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in times past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's heavy. How many of you here, how many of us here, we're guilty of those things. We're practicing those things. You know, and again, I mean, the Lord knows those who are His. Um, but, you know, you have to really, you, you got to make sure. That's what Peter says. You want to give all diligence and make sure you're a Christian. So you start, you know, living the life that that you can. You can live this life, my friend. You can if you're a Christian. I would, I would encourage you. This is what I would do. To be honest with you, I was telling the class the other day when we were talking about this. Okay, okay just pick nine uh, fruits of the flesh. Nine of them right here that you struggle with, okay? On a scale of one to ten, I want you to, you know, this is how much I struggle with that one, whatever, eight, seven, three, six, whatever. You add that one up. And then you do the fruit of the Spirit, the nine right there. And this is how much love, joy, peace, you know, nine, whatever, three, two. And then you add it up, and whichever total is greater, that tells you if you're saved or not, you know? <laughs> seriously though you know you check it out that's what he's saying you guys we got to have this in our heart it's so important that we understand that you know this has to be something that flows it it flows because if you're a christian uh, and the holy spirit lives inside of you jesus said in john 7 38 that out of your heart will flow rivers of living water okay okay now i have a question for you that uh you guys um Flow. Think of that word flow, okay? Um, when, when, when I was studying this out, I was looking for that word uh, flow. And, of course, you know, John 7, 38, uh, among other scriptures, stood out head and shoulders above the rest. But I wonder, here's something that you guys thinkers. I wonder if you can think of any other places in the Bible where the word flow is found. And I think maybe, you know, you probably know, flow in the Bible usually speaks of a woman's menstrual cycle. Right? And so with that in mind, go over to Isaiah 64, verse 6, just for a second. Isaiah 64 and verse 6. He says, But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. It's, it's the flow. It's the flow of the flesh. Our own righteousness is like that filthy rag, like that woman's menstrual cycle. It just flows. See, if you're if you're if you're not saved, it flows. If you are saved, it flows. I'm not saying that every time it's going to be easy, but it gets easier when you let the Lord have complete control of your life. 
You know, I want to encourage you guys to know the difference between your righteousness and his. Our righteousness, you know, in the Hebrew language, it's interesting. The, the, the filthy rag right here is in reference to a woman's menstrual garment. Our righteousness is like a woman's menstrual garment, right? And that righteousness that flows out of us is in all reality unrighteousness. And so what we find is that God is just saying, hey, I want you to know what I'm looking for. And this is the fruit of the Spirit. You know, I already referred to the fact that God um, expects His children to bear fruit because we've seen in the Lord's words that this is how you know whether or not a person's a Christian, right? You'll know them by their fruit. But do you guys know that the Lord expects us to bear fruit? Uh, For example, Isaiah 5 verse 4 says, What more could have been done to my vineyard that I have not done in it? Why then, when I expected it to bring forth good grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? So not only does God want you to bear fruit, He wants you to bear good fruit. You guys know the difference between bad fruit and good fruit? You ever had like a bad watermelon? Whatever. How about a bad carrot? You never have, huh? I have. I used to work in the produce department when I was 17 years old. I had a job with the pantry. I know what bad fruit is. I also know what good fruit is. Now, we get some of the good fruit here, but most of our good fruit, it goes to other places. Did you guys know that? Most of our good fruit goes to the restaurants, the fancy, fancy restaurants. Over to Japan, I don't know if you guys knew this, Japan pays big bucks for all our good fruit that we produce. So if you want to get some of that good fruit, go to Japan. <laughs> But you guys know what I'm talking about. God God expects us to bear good fruit, right? And so the Lord says, hey, I, I expect it. If not, I'm going to chop that tree down, right? We read that in Luke chapter 3, verse 9, Luke 13, 6 through 9. Even Romans 7, verse 4 says, Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who is raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit. To God. See, fruit proves who we are. We read that in Matthew 7, verse 15, Luke 6, 43 through 44. And and here's the thing. Let me close with this. Not that I'm ending right now. I'm just saying I'm going down the, the, the stretch, okay? Um, <laughs> that, that, that you're like, okay, Manny, um, I, I know I'm a Christian. I, I just, I don't know. I know I am, but I am struggling big time with some of these things help me out help me out okay here's what i'm going to tell you you see the spirit of god will use truth and trials to conform us into the image of god right we're already sons of god because the holy spirit he'll take the word of god and conceive a child of god so that's how we get saved it's kind of funny the same two Holy Spirit, the Bible, conceive a child of God. But now it's still the Holy Spirit and the truth in the trials or just the truth. The Holy Spirit takes his word and he makes us more and more like Jesus, more and more like the Son of God. You know, let's close with with a few quick uh, parables uh, beginning in Matthew 13. Because you're like, Manny, I want to bear fruit, but I can't do it. Well, join the club. None of us can, especially you. Look what it says here in Matthew 13. On the same day, in verse 1, Jesus went out 
of the house, and he sat by the sea, and great multitudes were gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And then he spoke many things to them in parables. And this is the first one. It says, Behold, the sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds came and devoured them. Some fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. And some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprang up and choked them. But others fell on good ground and yielded a crop, some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So he's talking about bearing a, a good crop right here. I tell you what, if I had to choose between a hundred or sixty or thirty, I would choose a hundredfold. That's what I want, Lord. Lord, I want to be a hundredfold Christian, right? How? How does that happen? Well, listen to the parable. It's kind of cool. Jesus actually interprets it for us. And look what he says in verse 18 of this chapter. He says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart, this is he who receives seed by the wayside. Now that's interesting. And some people will just look at this parable and they'll say, well, the last ones are saved and all the rest aren't. And, and that's a possibility. But I think there's principles woven into the parable that can help us all. The first one is if you hear the word and you don't understand it. I mean, you ever, you ever hear the word and you're like, well, I don't really know what that meant. You read the Bible. I don't really don't know what that meant. I don't know what he said, what he taught, but, you know, at least I endured it, <laughs> whatever. You know what happens? If you don't understand it, then the wicked one comes and he snatches it away. That's interesting. Mark, his version of it, because remember, Jesus would do cycle teachings and he would go and just teach in the same thing in different places with different variables here and there. He says, if you hear the word and you don't accept it, then the wicked one comes and takes it away. You know, And there are some people, they'll hear the word of God and they're like, you know what, I don't want it. I don't accept it. I, I don't think that, you know, that would never apply to me. Then you're in big trouble. The wicked one comes, boom, and he takes it away. Look what he says in verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places is he hears the word and immediately hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. So someone, they heard the word, they was like, wow, that was a cool study. You get the CD, they're really excited. They took a lot of notes. But in all reality, it was kind of like one of those deals with God that if if I get my way, if everything goes hunky-dory, then, you know, thumbs up, Lord. I love you. You know, but then when things don't go your way, you know, you're out of there. See, that happens. That's a shallow heart. One's kind of like a hard heart. I didn't get it. I don't really care to get it. One's a shallow heart. You know what? I'm not really in this you know, no matter what. And then the third one right here, it says in verse 22, Now he who receives seed among the thorns 
is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. And so they heard the word and it went in and it kind of went in good and maybe a little deep, but the problem is they started getting caught up in the cares of this world and deceitfulness of riches. Oh, I can handle it. I can handle it. I can kind of get this or be interested in that or covet that. You know, and, and this person right here, it just says it choked it. It took out the nutrients. I mean, all the potential was lost. But then the last one is what we want. You received seed on what? On good ground. On good ground. It's a good heart. This is someone who's not caught up in the cares of the world or deceitfulness of riches. This is a person who doesn't matter whether or not they get things their way or things are nice and smooth or rough and, you know, whatever, the trials of life. It doesn't matter no matter what. I'll, I'll serve the Lord no matter what. I'm all His. This is someone when they read the Bible, I want to understand it. I want to understand what it means. I don't want the devil to come in and take it away. I want to understand it. I accept it. That person with a good heart like that, they're going to bring forth fruit. You know, some 30, some 60, some 100 fold. You see, it's the word of God that goes in. One last scripture. I'm just as hungry as you are, so don't. (laughs) I love you guys. The fruit of the Spirit. John 15, I'm sorry, I forgot to tell you. John 15, Jesus said, I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire. And they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples how are you doing in the love the joy the peace the long suffering the goodness the kindness the gentleness the self-control. Are you, are you bearing fruit? If not, I want to encourage you to, 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 to say, Lord, I, I, know I'm your, I know I'm your son. Lord, I know I'm your, I'm your daughter. Lord, I remember that parable that you said when you were looking at, at your people and you were saying, man, they're not bearing any fruit. But I remember that parable. You said you would help them. And so you said you would go and you would water it. You said you would go and you would fertilize it. You said you would go and you would invest it and you would help it. And so, Lord, here I am and I'm just being honest with you. I'm struggling. Lord, will you help me? 
And so then you realize, well, the Holy Spirit will take His Word and He'll start to change us. And He'll start making us more like Jesus. We'll start bearing fruit, you know, moral fruit, ministry fruit. It'll be beautiful what God does. You know, real quick, as we look through this last section right here, you know, if you can visualize, Jesus is the vine and we're the branches. The Father is the vine dresser, right? And He just says, you know what, every branch in me, verse 2, that does not bear fruit... He, he takes away. Now, in the Greek language, it literally means He lifts it up. Maybe that's you, and that encourages you tonight. You're that one. You're not bearing fruit. God is saying, but you're mine. You're my son. You're my daughter. You're a brother. You're a branch. I'm going to lift you up. Will you let Him lift you up? Because sometimes the branches that would be laying on the ground in the dirt, they would get dirty. They wouldn't bear fruit. So they would lift it up and they would tie it with little sticks so that it could bear fruit. That's what the Lord is saying. If you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to lift you up. That's what God wants to do, right? And He just says right there, and if a branch is bearing fruit in verse 2, then what does He do? He prunes it. You think that feels good? Hey, come here. I'm going to cut off your arm. Do you think that hurts? Oh, yeah. But it's good for you. God's pruning us. It's necessary, right? So that it would bear more fruit. That's what God's doing. The changes of life, the chastenings of life, the cutting away of distractions that don't belong, right? Here's the thing, though. We read it over and over again. What do you read over and over again? What do you got to do? Somebody help me. What is Andrew said it, abide. I think, I think he did. We'll give you credit. <laughs> abide in the vine. What's he talking about? What are you talking about? Abide. Oh, man, you know what we're talking about here? We're talking about remaining in the Lord, believing in Jesus. We're talking about relationship. Abiding in Him. He's abiding in me. We're talking about a personal relationship. Right? And you abide in the Lord, you're going to bear fruit, you're going to bear more fruit. If a believer continues to abide in the vine, he or she will bear even much fruit. Read that in verses 5 through 8. And by this, what ends up happening in verse 8? Our Father is glorified. Okay? And that's what we want. At the end of the day, why do we do this? To exalt God and enjoy God. You know, when I go to uh, IHOP, well, ever since I worked in the produce department, I was always intrigued by that one dish. Uh, it's called Rudy Chudy Fresh and Fruity. Have you guys ever seen that, the IHOP? Yeah, man, that's what I want to be. That's how a Christian, Lord. Rudy Chudy, that's the joy part. Fresh and Fruity, that's all the other stuff, man. <laughs> you know what? God saved you. God loves you. But come on. God wants to change you. Are you cool with that? He wants to make you more like His Son. And so today, He meets us right where we are. I pray, you guys, myself included, I'm, I'm the first to admit, man, that we would really, truly, uh, you know, you come to church service, and you don't leave worse, you don't leave the same. You come to church service, and you leave different. You leave different. And so, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You for loving us. Thank you for showing us, Lord, what we're supposed to look like, how our hair is supposed to be combed and how we're, I don't know, shaven and just those types of things that when we look in the mirror and then we see 
Lord, things that maybe don't belong. Lord, I pray that you would bless my brothers and sisters here. I pray, Lord, that that they would, like we were talking about, just relationship, that truly, it wouldn't just be a religion, it wouldn't be habits, it would be relationship, it would be heart. We would enter in and experience the true presence of God in our life. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.